The Ravens come up one play short against your Steelers. There's two huge coaching hires in college football, and we have the Monday night football game of the year tonight, it feels like. What is the Vegas lead? <sighs> I got to be honest. I think, I mean, it could be that I need a win right now w- against the Harbaugh's, but it will be the <laughs> Pittsburgh win because I do think unequivocally Lamar Jackson, the two things I want to focus on here, Lamar Jackson's level of play and – the two-point conversion to win it decision. Well, obviously the the Ravens go for two, come up just short, and fall twenty to nineteen to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh wins and covers as four-point dogs. So when you say come up just short, what do you mean by that? They they came up didn't they come up as a two yards short or whatever it is? They 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 didn't even gain an inch, did they? They came up a, a fingertip short from a, a catch and a walk-in touchdown. Yeah, but but on the stat sheet it says zero yards. And and it says twenty to nineteen. That's what I mean. Just short. They came. Oh, up okay, okay. One point short. Because I do think it's important that I, I, I've talked a lot about how objective measures are important, and I think that's in sports betting. I think it's in life. Because if you allow your brain, the irony of this is the smarter you are, the more dangerous it is for you to use your IQ to try to figure out excuses for yourself. Because you're going to be better at it because you're smart. So in a weird way, a lot of people who are, let's say, not as creative or not as smart, are some of them, especially... You know, the downs home, you know, homespun kind of like salt of the earth. They usually are no nonsense, you know, oftentimes, because that's the only way they can get through life successfully is you can't spend a lot of time making excuses. You got to spend time making a living. This and is like you're, I, you're talking about like me now. No, actually, not in this case. <laughs> Uh, somewhat, yeah, but not totally. Because to me, it's all these analytics people trying to explain how this was the right decision and saying things like, oh, just by a fingertip. It's like, that's the point. Is when it is, win the NBA title, for example, with a free throw, if you're 85% from the line, you're not 85% to win the title. You're just not. There's an occasional person that's better like Dennis Rodman, when the pressure was on, hardly ever would miss a free throw. It was crazy. I remember Magic Johnson was calling a game, which, again, that wasn't great generally. And Rodman was there. It was late in the game. And he's like, oh, Dennis will make these two. And he's like, Dennis, I don't think he was even 60% from the line. And it's like the guy said, well, what do you mean? He goes, oh, when the pressure's on, Dennis won't miss. And he's like, boom, boom. He made both of them. And it's like it's one thing. But, you know, again, Magic saying it means something. And as I watched it after – he really did make free throws in the tightest spots. But most people, it's the opposite. We saw Giannis, who's a great player, maybe the best player in the NBA. Now, why am I talking about free throws? Because that is the ultimate case where everything is stopped. You've got a long history of the exact same shot, but you see it vary because of the pressure. AJ, would you not agree with me that the pressure on the Ravens in that one play affects their chances in the negative? It has to. So do these models calculate for that? No, they don't. Although there's some people, like you said, I think what you said was right except for Uh to the negative. I don't know that it's always to the negative because you just mentioned Dennis Rodman is a case where the pressure affected them to the positive. I think it's a man-by-man thing on yeah, if, but, it's, if but guys how many thrive people or don't. In the history of the NFL, let's just go back. I would say Joe Montana and Tom Brady 
are the two that I think they're better under pressure. The people we think are good under pressure just don't fall off. Like, if you can just stay at the same level, you've done something. But who else would you say, oh, it's the game's on the line. They're going to point out John Candy and the crowd laugh and the whole team's going to relax. I mean, who, who's in that list? Lamar Jackson isn't. No, he's not. So who is? I mean, I think you can look at a guy like Eli Manning as a guy who stepped up when Ooh, the moments were the biggest. That's interesting. Except I think all those times that they had a game to make the playoffs or not that they lost. I mean, they made the playoffs two times, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, certainly that in a small sample, Eli was very good in, in those Super Bowls, right? So however we want to characterize that, I, I think that is an interesting case, no doubt. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I do, though, in this case, sympathize with Baltimore's situation. So defensive players don't get talked about a ton, um, and rightfully so, I guess, because as a fan, a casual fan, it's hard to even watch them, right? You can't re- – quarterback, you get to see every play, but unless you're watching the All-22, it's hard to watch a cornerback. But Humphrey from Baltimore, their best corner, and in a way, the queen on the chessboard, right? That analogy is, oh, he can play inside. He can play outside. He can stop the run. And a lot of flexibility with the defensive schemes Humphrey offers Baltimore. He got hurt and was out and is now, I think, out for the season is a speculation of minimum. And – it's important to realize that it's one thing to lose that queen on the chessboard. It's even harder to lose him in the middle of a game because now your entire game plan assumes he's there and he's not. So how do you adjust for that on the fly? I don't think you do very well. Now, I think Baltimore might have trouble adjusting to it at all, but Harbaugh, the first thing he said in his press conference when asked about that play, that decision He said we were so thin a corner. That was the first thing he said. So his theory was we are weakness is defense right now. We can let the offense decide the game. And it makes sense. Usually that decision would be based on who is the better team at that moment. Because if you're 55% to win, you'd rather many, many plays decided it than just one play. Think about me playing Phil Ivey in poker. I'm a pretty darn good poker player. I'm not close to Phil Ivey. If I had to play, if I had to play him for a million dollars, and they said, "How many hands do you want to play?" I'd be like one, because right? I can get lucky in one hand. If they played, a, if I played a thousand hands against Phil Ivey, I'd have no chance to win. Well, this was a decision, AJ, to make it one play to decide it, while your weakness sits and watches the defense now. I think the decision made a ton of sense and it took guts. I think people was breaking it down wrong. Do you see the defensive weakness and that reality being the driver of this decision that makes it justifiable? I mean, I believe John Harbaugh when he says that like, oh. he thought that that would have been. Do you just believe John Harbaugh in general? Uh, I mean, about this, I, okay. I, when he thinks about because otherwise, would you, I mean, did you feel like the the Steelers were the better team? Did you feel like the, the Ravens, like that Harbaugh would have thought his team was 45% in that situation? I wouldn't I have felt he, that way. Well, here's the thing, too. With Lamar, you got to wonder if you have a special play lined up, too. The theory is you got these plays you carry around like a lucky penny and you use them very judiciously like at the highest stakes. 
it felt like that, again, the play looked good. The fact that the pressure caused it, it would seem the pressure caused it to be a problem and a failure, that's part of the decision-making, I think. But in general, if you tell me the line in this game was like four, so it was saying Baltimore was a little bit better coming in. Now, you lost your best defensive player, one of your best, maybe the most vital. It's hard to, and you look at Pittsburgh later in that game, it was a lot more success than, you know, it could be random, but it was a lot more success late in the game. And then you think, my best player is Lamar. Do I want to bring my weakest unit out into the mix, or would I rather my best player decide it? Almost analogous to that Kansas City game where they went for it on that tough fourth down. What was the rationale? Hey, Lamar's our best player. Let's let him decide the game. I think that made it almost a no-brainer. Well, not a no-brainer. It made it a clear decision. And thinking about it more as I'm saying it, it, it really does take guts because that is an easily second-guessed call, but I think it was clearly the right call considering the defensive reality for Baltimore at the time. I, and I think you may be right about it, it may have felt like momentum was certainly going the Steelers' way. Like the fact that that touchdown that they scored and, and had the chance to go for two was the only touchdown they scored in the second half. The Ravens maybe felt like our, our offense has just stopped working, so we've got to we we've got to just take our chance here and, and try and shorten this shorten this game. Yeah, but that seems weird. And shorten the game is a great way to say it, I think. But it seems weird to think we got a problem on offense. Let's let the offense decide it. Right. right. I think they had a problem in both units. It's just Lamar's a one man uh, playmaker sometimes. You know, certainly if you said, you know, the stakes are highest, do you want Lamar to decide it, even if they're sputtering? But they didn't sputter too much because they just scored a touchdown. Right. And I know they had it for the second, you know, but what I'm saying is when you get that momentum, uh, boy, it, it, let's just say this. If it wasn't for the injury, I don't like the call, but Humphrey being out, I think, made it a no-brainer. Closing thoughts on this game. The one other thing that I would say may, maybe makes me cast a little doubt on the decision is you have the best special teams weapon in, yep. in the world in Justin Tucker. So if you get to an overtime game, there's almost no range that he can't give you a shot from, and not everybody can say that. Yeah, but let's be candid. It's not even about range, right? Because the only time that's going to matter is at the very end of overtime. Because you're not going to try a 58-yard field goal with a tie game in, in the first drive. Because right. if you miss, you you know you're giving them just way way too much. So, but you're right. There could be a spot where he's got a 64-yarder as time expires in overtime, and that's very valuable. And I think you bring up a very good point. But I think it's his accuracy on the 45-yarders, right, more than the deep range. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Okay, cool. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from.
All right, let's take a look at these Kansas City Chiefs who get a 22-9 win over the Denver Broncos. They cover once again. That's suddenly a trend with the Chiefs. What are your thoughts on the uh, the performance of Kansas City? Well, first thought is this continues the streak of Super Contest. We had uh, five straight winning weeks. Our sixth week was last week. And it's the $5,000 version in Vegas. It's the most expensive handicapping contest for football there is. And we've got the second best record over the course of four years uh, of anyone on earth. So we're proud of that. And and I think some people might be submitting picks from the moon. I don't know. But so we'll just say intergalactically, the second best. <laughs> but but last week we lost by a half a point and went 2-3 and three instead of 3-2 and two with Seattle because we did have a nice plus number there, but not nice enough. So, one o'clock game, we had three picks. Winner, winner, winner. Okay. Then I'm thinking, all right, Denver, that's number four, looking good. Now, by the way, number five's tonight, and we'll give it to you here in about 20 minutes. And I feel like we got rooked. We had Denver plus nine and a half. What was your eye test on that game, first of all, AJ? My eye test was that the Broncos' offense is just dreadful, and there's absolutely no reason that they shouldn't have covered nine and a half, ten points in that game. No reason. Yeah, I, we didn't have ten. We had nine and a half, and they closed like at eight and a half, if I'm not mistaken. It was dropping, dropping, dropping. A lot of sharps on Denver with me. I, Bridgewater. I mean, when you have those long, long drives. I mean, if anything dreadful, it, I mean, it felt like the offense played pretty well or well in spots, but it was like they just couldn't get that, that those four-point plays. Or There's a couple plays a game that really dictate oftentimes, and it felt like now we could say Bridgewater doesn't have the ability to make the plays in those high-leverage situations where Aaron Rodgers does, and maybe that is something to it. But, you know, we often see – the, 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 the weaker-armed quarterbacks, the non-strong-armed quarterbacks, and Andy Dalton, they usually do well between the 20s, right? They can get you to the end of the red zone, but it's hard to make that crisp throw for the touchdown. Do you think that was Denver's main problem and maybe the problem this entire year? Uh, that's a big problem for them over the course of the year. Yesterday, their biggest problem was turnovers. The three turnovers, it just absolutely killed them. And both the both the fourth quarter interceptions were, they were driving. It looked like they were going to go down, score a touchdown, put us safely within the number. And the two picks, particularly the late, the last one, the pick six, was just a, 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 a killer. Ugh. And And I will say, in a way, not being super effective in the red zone lends itself to turnovers. Because what do you do? The coach is saying you got to be more aggressive. You got to make that throw. And then when you have you know multiple gloves on sometimes, like Teddy, <laughs> and you throw it, you just don't have that tight spiral. And lo and behold, it's an interception. And and that's the thing that makes the NFL so amazing is a throw that the guy makes in college with no problem. The the throw that in high school he could make when he was drinking a Slurpee is a throw that they're just a little bit off on. Uh, six inches this way, and it's a pick six. And I mean, it just makes the quarterbacks like Brady and the great ones all the more amazing. And I think golf's like that. You see, If you ever you ever golf with a scratch golfer, like a guy that maybe could have been on the Nike Tour a few years ago kind of guy, you ever golf with a guy like yes. that? You think this guy's like a golf. He's like, I can't believe how good he is, right? Yep. And he can't even get on the tour. <laughs> exactly. Forget compete to win. 
And it's just like, it's what's so great about, you know, we can all debate, and I, and I think there's a valid debate on, you know, the world is flat. How much do we want to reach out to the world as America? How much do we want to protect our interests? It's a reasonable debate. There's smart people on both sides. But with sports, it's undebatable, I think, that for most, the level of competition has gone way up because it's a world market now that the United States gets the benefit from. NBA, for example, with the foreign-born players. And in the NFL, you know, it's just another example of how great these players are. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are straight out of Vegas. All right, let's look at the actual numbers with Denver because they entered the year as the Super Bowl favorite. I Kansas thought, City. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, not Denver. Not Denver. <laughs> Kansas City. Thank you. And I thought Tampa Bay should have been the favorite. They were second. Okay. Denver's offense, Patrick Mahomes, was the one quarterback I thought was almost bulletproof. That it was like, I don't see a scenario he's not really good. Every other quarterback I could see. Brady finally hits the wall, maybe. Well, he has it. Maybe a little bit more than we think, but we'll talk about it. Mahomes has underperformed beyond my, even reasonably possible. Let me ask you that, AJ. Is if I said, this is what... Mahomes is going to do, and I completely detailed the season he's had. If it was before the season, did that seem reasonable to you? Not without a, a injury. That, yeah. That's the only explanation there could have been. So if he's hobbling around, playing on one leg, maybe. Right. Okay. So the idea that the most important player in the NFL, I think it's fair to say, but certainly on Kansas City, has played beyond expectation, beyond even conception. You can't even contemplate it being this bad. And they're still now what? The second favorite to win the Super Bowl? Second favorite, plus 650. Uh, And right now the favorite is Tampa Bay, plus 550? Yes. All right, so now here's the question. What's going on? 525 now is the new number. Ooh, okay, so it's even dropping more. So my question would be this. How good is this defense? Because if this defense for Kansas City – is really as good as they've seemed, then they sh- then Kansas City's better than we thought entering the year because the defense is like three levels better and the offense is maybe one level, one and a half levels worse, maybe even two, but it's still net-net. The defense has improved more than the offense has underperformed, and we've got the numbers to back that up. So if you think about any given line on a game, Vegas is telling you what they think the score is going to be. So let's use an example. In fact, let's use tonight's game as an example. So, AJ, give us the updated line and the updated total, and we'll impute live on radio what the Vegas is saying the score is going to be. New England is plus three. The total is 40.5. Okay. So we're going to say 41 to keep it simple. And we're going to say let's subtract three to start with. So I get you 38. And now you're going to have, let's say, 15, and then you're going to have, let me see here, four more. So it's going to be 19 to 19, and then you're going to add three back to Buffalo. So 22 to 19. Now, it's not considering, like, key numbers or anything, but in general, Buffalo 22-19 is what's expected. So what you do is you subtract out the spread, you divide the rest by two for the total, and then you add back in the spread. So... That is a great way to say here's the number of points expected for New England. Here's the money, number expected for Buffalo. 
And if you do that for the Kansas City games, the last seven games, they've actually given up 10 less points per game than expected. Seven, almost 70 points during that time, the defense has given up less than Vegas expected. But on offense, they scored about eight less points per game. So defense, 10 points better. Offense, eight points worse. Net-net, they're two points better. But boy, oh boy, the offense looks bad relative to expectation. So my premise entering holds up that this team, at least for the last seven games, and we can say, is that the truth? Or is the whole season the truth? There was an evolution on defense for Kansas City. There also was a sense of they switched up some of the guys' number of uh, snaps. uh, And I think you could make the case that this current defense is the reality where there were some things earlier that are no longer the case. And let me ask you, AJ, how much do you feel that? Do you feel like we're just cherry picking the last seven games or do you feel like there's been some changes that warrant us kind of partitioning off Kansas City's last seven games? No, I think that when Kansas City, the last several games has been a good football team, just not good in the way we projected them to be. So I, I think it's it's we could look back at the beginning of the season where they weren't a good football team and compare it to now when, oh, suddenly they're winning these games. They're just winning them in such a different way than we expected. So I, I do think there's been some sort of a change philosophically with them. I, don't, I, don't, I can't imagine their defense just got good overnight. They've had to well, have made some kind of a change. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes it's random, right? That's the whole thing about short sample sizes. Uh, is, is It looks like there's just three games that they're just much better, any given team or worse, but it's nothing. It's just it's random. But <laughs> I do think in this case is, and I'm, I'm not an X's and O's expert, but I've been trying to learn more and more about it. What the experts are telling me is that one is, uh, I think it's Frank, I think it's Frank Clark is who we're talking about here. I'm not, I, I'm not sure the play right now, but moved him from inside to, or from outside to inside. And it was like, he was an inside guy before. And if I got the name wrong, it really, the point holds. They moved him outside. He just wasn't working as well out there. And then, you know, a couple other defensive back swap outs. And um, I think that there's – I don't hear a lot of people saying this is fluky. I'm hearing the people I respect say this has been about some evolution of the scheme. And in general, the amount of blitzing that Kansas City does uh, with Spags as a DC, it's just uh, something where teams take a while to gel. So – it feels kind of legit. Now, the question is, does the offensive struggles feel legit? Because if not, Kansas City is going to be unbeatable. I mean, almost unbeatable. Because if the offense can get anywhere back to where they were entering the year, and this defense is what they are now, this is the best team in football. It's not even close. And, and to me, and I'll ask you a final question here, it's analogous to the Ravens. What I said about five weeks ago, six weeks ago, I said, if Lamar throws this well the rest of the year and the rushing from Baltimore comes back to where we expected it, they'll be a Super Bowl contender. Well, it's gone the other way. Lamar's passing looks horrible and they're running just as bad. And the Ravens aren't very good at all. Right now, if you could have one ticket, AJ, a free roll of any team in the AFC at the current market price to win the Super Bowl, who would it be? Ooh, that's a tough question. I'll probably go with... Now, what you're thinking right now is, wait a minute. 
I've been loving the Bills for so long. <laughs> if I come off the Bills here, he, he this is a trick question is what you're thinking. And you know it's what? Gotta you're, be a tri- you're right. It's got to be a trick question. You're right. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.